my Dharma brothers and sisters. Today I would like to uh, give a talk on uh, a theme called Freedom of the Heart uh, using Metta as the method. So the talk is Freedom of the Heart and Mind uh, using Metta, Loving Kindness. Kind of uh, following uh, up on what I said last time on Sunday about compassion because metta is part of the, the four Brahma Viharas. So I thought of speaking of metta since I've already talked about compassion. Metta or Maitri, you have heard this before I think many many times. <laughs> Metta, it's a cult of the heart that wishes for the welfare and happiness of all beings. That's what we can do, uh, the definition, wishing the welfare and happiness for all beings. Very simple. Hmm? Over the years, since the dawn of history, human beings love each other actually. <laughs> But at the same time, they do some kind of uh, conflicting things. They build what we call uh, fences around themselves. Throughout the history, that's what human beings have done, building his, uh, fences around themselves. This is my family, this is my nation, this is my continent. This is, so it's like that. And then uh, this became a problem. <laughs> And uh, this is, you can see it physically, actually. Maybe not in Melbourne. Actually, I'm so impressed about Melbourne. Uh, how you have these fences around your homes is just to stop actually small animals <laughs> from going your fence. In countries I've been to Harare, in Zimbabwe, those who have been to Africa, those who have been to Brazil, Sao Paulo, those have been to Kenya. Uh, Uganda is starting, fences are really like electric laser, really. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> really terrible. Whenever I look at those fences, I really want to really cry, actually. What have we done to our human being? What, where are we going as human beings, actually? You know? So for me, I'm always fascinated when I come to, to Melbourne, when I saw these fences just to stop rabbits. <laughs> Maybe you have a lot of metta. <laughs> you want, basically, you, what we want to do is to build bridges. Physically and psychologically, we need to build bridges, psychological bridges, to reach out to all beings, without exception. Uh, this is uh, what motivated the Buddha to teach, actually. The whole motivation about the Buddha to teach was also Oh, loving kindness is part of the parami, the perfection, one of the ten paramis. The Buddha had to perfect many years to become a Buddha. Uh, so, Bodhisattva, at that time he was a Bodhisattva, he wasn't yet a Buddha. He had to perfect this parami, Maitri. So, really, literal meaning of the word metta means friendship, actually. Uh, but uh, now uh, we, we got stuck with the, the translation, loving kindness. Somebody from England, I think, uh, yeah, translated that. And 
in the Bible, actually, we find that word as such. There's also the word loving kindness. So then the question, like last time I asked, what's the difference between loving kindness and the loving kindness Buddhists would practice? Luckily, this discourse is going to help us. Yesterday, last time when I was talking about compassion, I didn't have a good resource. But now for this topic, I have a very good resource to see how loving kindness in the Buddhist tradition is quite different from loving kindness in African tradition, or spiritual traditions, religious tradition. It's quite different. And we're going to illustrate this very soon. But I would like to tell you my experience of practicing loving kindness because loving kindness is about uh, radiating uh, this quality of the heart and the mind to others and wish them happiness and welfare. So one time I was in Uganda. Many things happen in Uganda. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> As one, the only monk in Uganda, I get so many things happening there. <laughs> So one time I went to the Moonies, uh, it's like a Korean group in Uganda. Very kind, actually. Very, we are very close to them. In fact, they are giving us a space to conduct yoga classes for free of charge. But uh, uh, a few years ago, I went to that organization uh, to say hello. And then I met a lady there. The lady is from uh, Guyana. I think it's French Guyana, somewhere in Central, I think it's in South America, very close there. So then I say, hello. I say, yes, hello, how are you? Long time no see. I say, very busy. I told her that I've been very busy, but I say, okay, goodbye. I'm going to the United States. I said, before you go, I want to say something to you. That's what she told me. I said, what? I say, oh, Bant, I'm very sorry. I said, why are you sorry? Say, oh, you're going to go to hell. That's what she told me. <laughs> she told I'm very sorry for you. You're going to go to hell. I said, why? Oh, Bante, you're not married. That's what she told me. I said, is that a problem? She said, yes, it's a problem. Big problem. Because that actually uh, tradition is a, a Christian, a part of a Christian sect, uh, which do mass marriage. They, they, like, they do like... 1,000 marriage at the same time, intermarrying people from Japan into uh, any kind, Russian, doesn't matter. But it, has, it doesn't have to be the same nationality. He aims at actually uh, different nationalities. So that in fact for him, he thought that doing so is building bridges. In fact, he has that idea of building bridges from Africa to build a bridge to America, build a bridge physically. That's what I had, that he has this idea of actually building physical bridges to connect all countries so that there should be no wars. They should see each other to, uh, as, uh, as together because uh, maybe there's continental drifting where continents were separated, separated and people see themselves as different. So he wants actually to build physical bridges. But before he does that, he wants actually to intermarry people so that they cease to be different. Right? That's the idea. Now the, the lady told me that I'm going to go hell because I'm not, get, I'm, I'm not married. Then I say, what about monks in Sri Lanka? They say, yes. I say, what have they done? They have done nothing. They are not, not, because they're not married, they are going to hell. And then I say, what about monks in, in Thailand? He say, yes, of course. What about in Burma? Of course. 
they say, me, I haven't done anything at the Uganda Buddhist Center. I teach, I provide free water to people, I have a dumb, uh, peace school. I'm helping people say, all that doesn't count, actually. What really counts to go to heaven is to get married. <laughs> now he really challenged me, actually. <laughs> I said, what am I going to do? This is a friend, actually, who is really sorry. I said, okay, you know, I remember the meta loving kindness, eh? the, this, the quality of the heart that wishes for happiness and welfare for others. I said, okay, yes, don't worry. If all monks in Burma, Thailand, Sri Lanka, and me one monk from Uganda go to heaven, then you are not going to enjoy heaven. You are, it's going to be overcrowded. So yes, for us we are going to hell, that's good actually. That's good for you. <laughs> yes, now I really honestly wish her to really have happiness in heaven. Because for them, they are, they, she, she has a one-way ticket actually. No return ticket. But for us, as Buddhists, we have a return ticket. When you go to hell, <laughs> we have a round-trip ticket, actually. <laughs> you can always come back, no problem. Because I, 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 relied, I relied on the strength of having a, a round-trip ticket, I was confident to wish her happiness, to enjoy, you know? So no problem, enjoy. So now, actually this would happen to my mother. A, a few years ago, we had a, a watchman. Um, a watchman, and uh, at night, and because we didn't have fence, and uh, people were disturbing us, uh, so we had a watchman just uh, looking around the property uh, if there's anything go wrong, and so they, he was there. One time, the watchman asked my mother, "What's happening to my boss?" Because that's what she, the watchman thought, "I'm a boss. I'm his boss." They said, oh, my mother asked, what's wrong? Oh, the, the watchman said, you know, there's a, I don't know what's happening to my boss. Always he's dressed in one dress. He's very poor. <laughs> Every time I see him in the same cloth, for one month, two months, wearing the same one cloth, what's wrong? Does it not get dirty or something like that? My mother said, oh. If you have a lot of compassion for your boss, give him some trousers <laughs> and shirts. <laughs> My mother didn't know. Uh, also, it's very interesting. She has some kind of sense of humor because I didn't expect her to tell the watchman to give me. <laughs> because the watchman was also complaining. He had another complaint that I don't sleep because I used to wake up at 4.30 uh, in the morning a.m. And, and just put on light and meditate. Then also she lodged a, he lodged a complaint to my mother. That's what's wrong with my boss, doesn't sleep. <laughs> so uh, you, you can see my mother also saying loving kindness, she didn't want to struggle with this person. It's just, okay, no, please, eh, practice metta. Give him some clothes. <laughs> so this happens. So this is the quality of the heart I found many people, and uh, it's amazing. So, but let's go through the sutta to show you how different, actually, how different these loving kindness from different traditions. If you remember, last time during my talk, I said we can make a distinction between this quality of the heart and mind, like metta loving kindness, and many other teachings of the Buddha, that how different they are from other 
teachings is that you have to remember this, that it's a basis and support, whatever the quality of the mind, whether it's faith or generosity, loving kindness, in, this, in case we are talking about loving kindness, it's a basis and support for the cultivation of ethical conduct. It's the basis and support, meta is the basis and support for the cultivation of concentration. Meta is the basis and support for the cultivating of wisdom. So it's not like one quality of mind there, and a quality of the heart and mind, hanging there in the air, like, okay, it's meta loving kindness, or loving kindness, or loving kindness. No, no, no. For us, we have to put it in a context. And it's, gonna, it's going to become very clear in this sutta. That's why I want to make, give a few comments on this discourse. Very beautiful com uh, discourse. Hmm? This is what you, you, you please refer to it. I'm going to show you how actually this um, loving kindness is a basis and support for the cultivation of ethical conduct. So this is how it starts, this sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let, the, let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech. What does that remind you in terms of ethics? Is it not the, the, the five precepts? Eh? Uh, is it not the right speech and right action? We're talking about gentle speech. Yeah? So you can see uh, the foundation is ethical conduct, actually. In fact, this discourse, have, like, uh, this discourse has uh, 14 qualities in terms of ethics. Humble, uh, you can even count. The, the 13 are positive and the only one negative one. Okay? Humble, these are the qualities you should possess if you want to have this quality of the mind. And not conceited. To be contented, big time in terms of ethics. You have to be contented. Contented with what's suitable, with, with what is available, and with what's uh, within one means. So this is the three kinds of contentment. Contented with what's available, we should be contented with what's available. We should be contented with what, what is suitable. And also we should be contented with, with what's within one means, actually. In fact, the Buddha said that the, the, the contentment is the highest wealth. Yes. So this is the qualities, eh? ethical conduct, you know. And then easily satisfied and burdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm, and wise, and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Almost, there are 13 qualities of, uh, regarding ethics. So metta becomes the foundation for the practice of ethics. And ex ethics become the foundation for the practice of loving kindness. So because there the Buddha is laying the foundation for you, he said that that's what you should cultivate before actually you radiate loving kindness. The negative part of ethics here, uh, I mean stated in negative terms, is let them not, not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Actually this uh, part uh, is very, very important. It's one of the, the three priorities uh, we even in our discussion last time we talked about the three priorities. One is called uh, uh, priority about oneself, then priority about the world, uh, then priority according to the Dharma. So those are called priorities. 
Atta di patea in Pali. Atta self, atta di patea. That's about priority about yourself. Um, then about oh, influence about yourself. Hidi uh, and Otapa. More shame and more fear. Okay, saying, oh, what will happen? How people are going to see when, when they see me acting like that? Right? So it's about yourself, right? Me, I'm a Buddhist. How am I going to do these things? Other fellow Buddhists are going to say, oh, other fellow human beings are going to uh, reprove this kind of thing. But there's also what we call loka. Loka di patea, which means influence of the world, public opinion. Even authorities here, actually. If you drive zigzag like this, the authority will, will catch you. <laughs> the world will say, no, you should be careful. <laughs> so I heard that uh, um, uh, here people, the traffic is very serious. Uh, when you're driving, they, they can withdraw your driving license if actually you're driving uh, the way you think is right. <laughs> so this is about the world. The world, the world has certain standards, right? The wise people, those who are practicing Dhamma, uh, then the, the government authorities, law enforcement authorities, all this pertain to the world. So we do something, we have to look at what the world also will think about. Whether you're a wife, a husband, sister, brother, monk, not monk, nah, no. So there are certain ways of behavior that you have to think about also what the other people are going to think about you. All right? This is what it is here. This, this one in Meta, this is what we call loca di patea. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. This is part of ethics. In fact, this is a way how to distinguish what is skillful and unskillful, wholesome and unwholesome, using those standards. There is yet another standard which is not mentioned here, but prior later on. It's called Dhamma, Dhamma di patea. Dharma is using the standard of Dharma. That is this according to the Dharma? Eh? Is it in accordance to the Dharma? That means you're doing something that leads to your happiness, the happiness of others, and the happiness of both. Then if you're doing something of that nature, in terms of ethics, then it's actually in accordance to the Dharma. Eh? You, 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 you say, Imaya, Imaya. I think you have said it somewhere before. In according to the Dharma, then I practice according to the Dharma. In my Dharma, Dharma Buddha Pujemi, Dharma Pujemi, Sangha Pujemi. So, in accordance to the Dharma, I practice like this. So, anyway, those are the three things that you have to remember on the influence about yourself, the world, and then to the Dharma. This statement is very, very important. To decide whether something is going to be skillful or non-skillful, we have to know also whether the wise are going to censor or they are going to reproach. Okay, let's continue with the discourse. Whatever living beings may, may they, may, there may be, whether are weak, strong, or, or meeting none, the great, the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near, and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. This is actually very interesting that uh, uh, the way of radiating this kind of loving kindness, it actually build, builds uh, bridges towards all beings without exception. And that's one meaning of metta actually, Maitri. 
meta, it means also sun, the sun. Another meaning for the meta is sun. The sunshine, when it shines, it doesn't uh, shine only to Aussies only. <laughs> or Kiwis. No. It goes all the way to Africa, even in all parts of the countries you, you don't know. It just shines. It doesn't choose, oh, I'm going to shine only to tall people. Oh, only to the small people. No, no, no. It just shines. So this actually reminds us the quality of the, the meta, actually. It's like sunshine. And also sunshine, it has that quality of warmness. Right? Warmness. You feel warm eh? when there's sun. Hmm? Today there's a lot of it, actually. <laughs> Now, in the, this kind of um, discourse, really, actually, we are expanding our heart. Hmm? Our heart to include everything, everybody, hmm? all beings, not only human beings. <laughs> what makes even Buddha's teaching here very interesting is that all living beings. Eh? Ah, that's where elephants are going to come in. Leopards and anacondas and all the uh, piranhas. No, you don't have piranhas. Saipan. Saipan. Uh, Taipan. You know what Taipan? What's Taipan? It's the most poisonous snake here. Yeah, you don't know? I saw it in the next uh, last time I came here. Somebody took me to a zoo somewhere, not a zoo, a national park. We went somewhere. I don't know even remember who who took me there. And we saw the most poisonous snake. I just have to send it loving kindness <laughs> because here they're saying that whatever living being there may be, whether weak, strong, omitting none. So we should not omit anything, right? When we do that, actually as you know that everything has a boomerang effect, then actually it comes to us that we don't actually uh, uh, hate ourselves. We start loving ourselves without omitting anything. Because there's a tendency, we human beings, try to love ourselves, and then we cut off a little bit of something that we don't like. I don't like myself when I... Uh, th that's what we, uh, people would do, eh? Uh, they will compartmentalize themselves. I say, I like one quality about myself, but I don't like this quality about me. I don't like when I get angry at my wife or my husband. I don't like it. So we start hating ourselves. So in other words, we, we, we divide ourselves into parts that we like about ourselves and what we don't like ourselves. Huh? I don't know about you. <laughs> yes, when you're in a hurry, yeah, to go to work and all that, or take kids to work, or what. And then you, you run out of time, and then you really hate yourself. Again, I got late. Again, I didn't give the kids a, a lunch box in time. Again, this happened. Oh, again, again and again. So, so what will happen is always we're trying to look for faults ourselves. Right? So then we try not to have this embracing quality of the heart, of loving kindness that includes all, everything. So this one, when it, it turns to ourselves, we should include everything about ourselves. I know one teacher dropped one, uh, I think the best cup she loved, 
and say, I love you. I love you, Sharon. That's what you say. So that portion of the uh, of, of, uh, of our life that we don't like, we should embrace it. Actually, anytime you feel that you goof, let's say you do something that you don't like, I say you can pet yourself. I love Michael. I love uh, I love Chin Luke. I like myself. <laughs> so you send loving kindness to yourself. Anytime you do something and say. Instead of hitting yourself, oh, again, I've done that mistake. You just put your hand, oh, I love Cora. <laughs> yes, do that many times a day. Eh? Any times you, you goof, you do something wrong or unskillful and all that, where you can be hitting yourself or, and say, so I don't like them, that I do this, uh, I don't like this. You just do the opposite. You include every aspect of your life. Hmm? I did actually one time that myself. <laughs> I love you, Bante. <laughs> I did like that in Uganda. Something happened and all these things, and I was about to blame myself too harshly. I said, no, I love you, Bante. No problem. <laughs> so this is very, very important to include all aspects of your life. He had said that to include all, be all beings, omitting none, we can extrapolate that to love all aspects of your life excluding none, all right? This is very, very important. Let us go, continue. Uh, let none deceive another or despise any beings in any state, let alone through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freedom from hatred and ill will. So now, I've already demonstrated how actually the, disc the discourse shows you how the loving kindness is the foundation for ethics. Now here, loving kindness becomes a foundation for concentration because you cannot gain concentration when you have ill will and hatred, can you? Because in order to gain concentration, you must actually uh, suspend, at least temporarily, the five hindrances. The five hindrances are uh, desire, desire for, for sensual pleasures, uh, then uh, ill will, then um, restlessness and worry, and then sloth and torpor, and then doubt. So now here in the practice, it's showing you how that you should be free from hatred and ill will. How are you going to be free from hatred and ill will? Of course, you can see when you practice mental loving kindness, uh, there's what you call initial application of thought. In the beginning, you start practice of metta by getting a few phrases going, like, may I be well up and peaceful, may I be healthy, may I be uh, happy, may I live at ease. So initially, we start that thought, because metta is part of right thought in the Noble Eightfold Path. So we initiate that, uh, that thought, all right? and we keep on sustaining. So in the beginning, once we start uh, radiating these thoughts of loving kindness verbally first and then mentally, then actually what we are doing, we are uh, overcoming uh, sloth and torpor because you cannot be fast asleep like this and send meta. 
Can you? No, you can't be sleeping like this. Oh, may all beings be well up and peaceful. No. But if actually you're awake, you're awake, you can then initially send the thoughts of loving kindness. Because you need to have to see the bright spots of others. In fact, you need mindfulness. You cannot send metta without mindfulness. Metta loving kindness, you must have mindfulness. And then you can see the positive quality of others. And in fact, yourself. So that's what we do when we practice metta loving kindness. We try to look at the positive quality of others. What the positive qualities? We, we try to neglect at the moment uh, the negative qualities. Without doing that, we cannot send metta. So it's very, very important to have mindfulness and we have to, some kind of uh, vigilance and uh, uh, diligence as we radiate these phrases of metta loving kindness. So that will help to uh, overcome uh, sleepiness. And then once we sustain that thought, uh, we sustain that thought, then we are going to overcome doubt. Because we see it working. As we send this loving kindness, we see that uh, we can feel it. We can feel happiness. Then we overcome doubt that, okay, this uh, meta doesn't work. But we see it working. So we overcome doubt. We are very diligent uh, and see this working. So further continue, if we continue practicing meta, loving kindness, we are actually going to gain some kind of joy. Joy, pity, eh? because we we see it. Uh, we are all radiating loving kindness in our heart. We see there's no uh, problem. We love all beings, right? So there's some joy happening. And then when there's joy, uh, when you have joy, of course, there's not going to be any ill will. When there's uh, there's joy, there's no problem. And then happiness, happiness also arises when you practice metta. And then when you, you have happiness, again, you are going not to have restlessness because the mind is very happy. And then we continue to practice metta, then the mind is going to have concentration, one-pointedness of mind. All these actually are what we call genetic factors. Uh, they might be weak in the very beginning, but that's uh, the first level of concentration uh, is defined in terms of genetic factors. This is the first formula of, the, of concentration uh, where one gets happiness uh, due to seclusion is called, is, it goes like this, quite, quite secluded from unwholesome states of mind. Quite secluded from unwholesome states of mind. What are those unwholesome states of mind? Of course, is ill will, hatred, sloth and topper, doubt, and uh, restlessness and all that. So, quite secluded from unwholesome states of mind, one attains the first jhana. Concentration, deep concentration, uh, which has initial application of thought, sustained application of thought, joy, happiness, and one-pointedness of mind. Kusalachitta eh? ekagata, one-pointedness state of mind. So you can see when you practice metta-loving-kindness, it becomes then a foundation for gaining concentration. Whether it's just a momentary concentration as you repeat these phrases of metta, or even as you continue to sustain the thought of loving kindness, you can gain concentration. So you can see uh, most of the tradition who pr those pr tradition who practice metta loving kindness, that's not what they do most of the time. Of course, we have these uh, uh, phrases, love all beings. Every tradition, Jewish, every religion have 
the concept of love, universal love, selfless love. But we, us, we can see we are using it in, uh, in a deeper context of even gaining concentration to overcome uh, these uh, psychic irritants that leads us uh, to anxiety and unhappiness and all that. So we are using this mental state actually to overcome uh, this ill will and hatred which actually leads to suffering. So we gain concentration. We go to another phrase which is also very interesting. Whether standing, walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness. Again, you are free, freeing yourself from drow drowsiness, which is sloth and torpor. One should sustain this re recollection. Where did we see this word of sustaining recollection? We saw it in the sustained application of thought, which, which, is, which is a genetic factor. Sustained application of thought, uh, it, it has a, uh, an idea of, of sustaining the recollection. Not only send one time, oh, may you be well up and peaceful. Yeah, yeah, let me take a cup of tea. I've, I've finished my meta. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Oh, you wait until you get angry. Oh, yeah, where is my meta? <laughs> yeah, yeah, meta is a very good thing to practice. Buriham Durhari and I, he said that it's very good to practice metta. Or oh, then you get angry, oh, may I be well up and be so. No, no, no. It has to be part of your day life. It has to be part of the day life and it doesn't matter in your day life whether you are standing, walking, sitting or lying down. Every time. In fact, to gain benefits of metta, it has to be uh, uh, regular. It, not only uh, in fits and starts, right? It has to be something that you do in day, li in, in day life. In fact, for me, whenever I wake up, many, many times I did that. Before I do something else, take a cup of coffee or go uh, out bed, I spend time radiating loving kindness, mental love, <laughs> loving kindness. Actually, that set up the stage for the day. That set up the stage, <laughs> set up the stage for the day. We do know when we, I don't know about Australia, but many places I go to teach, sometimes they drive in the morning to, give a, to go somewhere. I can see how it's very easy to lose loving kindness with, with drivers. I don't know about here in, in Melbourne. <laughs> Maybe they don't cut you so much. <laughs> when you're driving, then another driver who is having to go to a meeting, they cut you like that. And then another driver doesn't put on signals. Sometimes I just say, wow, we are just coming from the retreat sometime in Brazil. I've been teaching there for three months. We've been like for nine days meditating and all that. We now we go back to where I was staying and then I can see where the practice is actually. I found out that the practice was not so much on a cushion, but actually the practice was in a road. <laughs> Motorbike, woo! they just swim actually you know literally motorbikes in 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 in, uh, in sao paulo in brazil because uh, they don't have uh, uh, there's a lot of traffic jams so most people have resorted to buying uh, motorcycles so motorcycles swim in cars like this actually they don't follow one single lane and uh, uh, again uh, develop motorcycles they cars themselves people don't put on sometimes indicators so before you know you are where you are, the cars in front of you. What are you gonna do? 
<laughs> so I found out actually that there's many, many opportunities to practice metal loving kindness with your friends. In life, you will never be deprived of start, uh, practicing meta. Don't worry. <laughs> your kids, your husband, wife, everything, you know? To put a little bit of sense of humor, sometimes even I, I practice loving kindness to, uh, to objects, even animals and birds and all these things. So I do that also. So it should be done anytime. Don't wait until you're on cushion. Don't wait until you're on a cushion, my friend, to write metta. Buddha says here that whether standing, walking, uh, seated, or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be a sublime abiding. Uh, but uh, what's very interesting here, let me tell you something which is very interesting here. Titancharan Sinova, Sayanova Yavata Savigatamido, Etamsati Maditea. Here, that's where the Buddha equated actually mindfulness. The word sati here means mindfulness. So, actually, we should practice metta with loving kindness. Only when we practice metta loving kindness with sati, mindfulness, that's when it becomes a divine dwelling here. And that's what's missing most of the loving kindness that but the, the people practice, that it doesn't have this quality of sati. The Pali word says clear, but in, uh, here they say sustain this recollection. Uh, this is more of anusati. Recollection is anusati. But it's okay, no problem. The, at least there's a word, etam sati maditea. Sati means mindfulness. We should actually send this loving kindness with sati. Now the question is, where is this sati? in the Noble Eightfold Path. That's part of uh, uh, the Noble Eightfold Path, and that's part of what we call concentration group. You see? Sati is in what we call concentration group. So that means concentration is very, very important for this practice. <coughs> concentration supports loving kindness, and loving kindness supports concentration. So you see, it's a very deep practice. Metta loving kindness is not as simple as you think. Oh, it's just something I know meta. Oh, uh, okay, of course, it's part of our culture, especially those who are born Buddhist. It's a very common teaching, but it's very profound, actually, very profound. What's even going to make it more profound is the last statement here. By not holding on to wrong views, the pure-hearted, the pure-hearted ones, having clarity of wisdom, I mean vision, being free from all sensual desires, and not no, is not born again into this world. It's called detention and anupagama silava, dasanena sampano, kamesuvinea gedam, nahijatugabaseyam ponaretit. Now, in terms of our discussion, I told you that meta is a, a basis and support for ethical conduct, is a basis and support for the, the concentration, and the basis and support for wisdom. This is where wisdom kicks in. Eh? This is where wisdom kicks in. And in fact, there's one discourse in Majima Nikaya uh, that instructs us how to switch meta-loving kindness, the practice of meta-loving kindness, to wisdom. How we switch is to see meta-loving kindness as a thought. According to that discourse, meta-loving kindness is a thought. Even actually compassion is a thought. That's part of right thought. 
Even mudita is also a thought, including equanimity. According to that discourse, equanimity is also thought. So how we are going to turn into wisdom is actually seeing that thought as impermanent. Seeing that thought as unsatisfactory. Seeing that thought and also as anatta, non-self. So you can see, again, also now in vipassana. Eh? We, 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 we switch to vipassana mode. Actually, now we are, we are leaving the area of samatha meditation where we, we focus metta loving kindness to gain concentration. Now we are going to an area of wisdom, seeing the true nature, seeing things in detail, seeing things the way how they really are. And then once we do that, we can attain uh, various levels of sainthood. To be able to actually reach this stage, this is actually called the third level. This is not born again in this world. Who is this person who is not born again in this world? He's called Anagami, non-returner. That is, uh, this is what we call once-returner. The first level is called Sowan, Sotipana. Uh, then another one is called uh, Sakatagami. Another one is called Anagami. Ana means not, not Ana. Agami going, Anagami not going. Not coming back, in other words. Uh, who is that person? Is the third level of enlightenment. When somebody reaches the third level of enlightenment, that means he has done some practice. <laughs> Not just only repeating uh, dry words, oh, may you all beings be well apart and peaceful. No, he must, the person to do that must be practicing the Noble Eightfold Path. In order to reach this stage, because Sotapana means Sota, Sota means the Noble Eightfold Path. How are you going to reach not to be born again in this world? You must go through the first level of enlightenment, which is called Sotapana. Sota, has one, one meaning of Sota is the ear. Another meaning of Sota is the stream. Another meaning of Sota is actually the Noble Eightfold Path. So in other words, this practice takes you to enter into the Noble Eightfold Path. And then you attain uh, this first level, second level, and then third level of sainthood. And in fact, one of the benefits, which is not mentioned here, that if you are unable to gain all the way to enlightenment, that's what it says. If you are unable to attain final enlightenment, eh, the 11th benefit, you are born in Brahma world. Eh? Have you, do you know about this 11th benefit? You know all the, the benefits, of, benefits of practice metta. There are 11 of them. And the 11th benefit is that if you are unable to attain full enlightenment, um, uh, the consolation prize is <laughs> you are born again, you just open your eyes like this. In order to appear in the Brahma world, you just open your eyes like this. Very easy. <laughs> and in fact, the 11th, the 10th benefit is about if you, you die peacefully, it's like closing your eyes. Kaput. <laughs> you die peacefully, it's like closing your eyes. Now, the, ten, the 11th benefit is like opening your eyes. Imagine when you wake up, you do like this in the morning. Do you remember when you wake up? Are you mindful when you wake up? <laughs> you wake up like this. <sighs> Brahma world. <laughs> now, why would you not be able to attain the final enlightenment? Do you know the reason? The reason why you would not be able to attain the final enlightenment with this practice is called Dhamma Raga. Raga means gluing. Raga. Hmm? 
and dharma is growing to the dharma. Even growing to yourself to the dharma can be an obstacle. You need to get rid of that in order actually to attain the final level of enlightenment, which is called arahanship. So some people, when they actually practice this practice, they might be glued a little bit to the dharma practice. And, you know, and when they send metal loving kindness and all these things, they might still have some kind of attachment to some states of mind, peaceful states of mind. So when they let go finally that, you attain final enlightenment. With that, I wish you success in attaining final enlightenment and really practice metta deeply, not the way other people practice it. Right? Don't make this teaching of the Buddha commonplace. Oh, I've heard about metta. Oh, uh, Oh, what's that? We want to go to jhanas. We want to go to dependent origination. We want to speak about anatta. This teaching is so easy. No, please, this teaching is very profound. You have to put it in a context, right? So my, that's my offering for you today. Thank you very much for listening. So as usual, I invite questions. If you have any question about what I've said, we have a, a few uh, moments for questions because I found out in question that's the time for me to learn something. Please give me something to learn. Be kind enough. Have meta on me. At least I volunteer to be the object of your meta. <laughs> okay, the same person asked me last time also. I can see. Yeah, I know. You can ask. No problem. You know, it's a good karma to ask questions. Did you know that? When you are born, you're born wise. <laughs> okay, that's according to, uh, to uh, Kama Vibhanga Sutta in Majmanika. Okay, please ask. Uh, in terms of sending metta to someone, there are some monks that actually say that you cannot send direct metta, you cannot practice metta directly, and then you get, uh, and then you get rid of anger. Because sometimes you're so angry, you cannot, you cannot switch your mind immediately. So what is the step? from anger and slowly moving towards a, a mind of meta. Let's say I do my work, I get scolded. How do I still send meta to this person? Like, yeah. Did you get my question? Ah, most of the questions... Straight away. What are the steps that you can take towards... Okay, okay. actually the thing is, meta is an antidote to anger. Hmm? Uh, meta is an antidote to anger. You see? So, you can practice meta at a time. In time, you can practice meta. But I think what they are cautioning people when they tell you uh, is not to wait until you're angry, then you practice meta to, uh, and, and the angry person. So, you have to start with yourself. Hmm? And then, uh, then others and all that. For me, what I found out that is going to help me my situation is actually to first see the good qualities about the person who is calling you. Actually, it's very interesting that people who scold you or people who actually push your, your, your button, at one time they have been friends. They have been helpful. Okay, let's say it's a boss, your boss. I'm just giving you a scenario. Don't you think at one time he has been good to you, giving you a job, giving you a salary in time? All that. So for me, what I, I would do, hmm, I would actually first 
the, the, this is a transition. I'm talking about this transition. Instead of saying, may you be well up and peaceful, and they are fuming with anger. Oh, may you be well up and peaceful. <laughs> oh, may you make me more angry. <laughs> no, 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 no. So first, I would think, what are the positive qualities about that person? You remember the, post, the meta uh, has one, I gave you the characteristics of meta, but there's a proximity cause for meta to arise. What's the proximity cause? The proximity cause for meta to arise is to see the positive quality in others. Failure to see the positive quality of others, forget about it. If someone is now your boss in that moment, is giving a hard time, that means you're not focusing on a positive quality. You are focusing on the negative quality. That's what makes meta difficult at that moment when you focus on negative quality. That's why those people say, oh, you know when somebody is giving you anger and you send meta, uh, it might get worse because you are focusing on negative quality. But should you focus on positive quality of somebody, then there's no problem. There's no, no way in the scriptures where the Buddha said don't practice meta loving kindness to a difficult person. I don't see any, it's not substantiated anywhere in the discourses. Where the Buddha says, if you are angry, don't send metta. Wait a little bit for two minutes. Or, no, 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 no. So the thing is that to remember, in fact, the way to practice metta loving kindness, every time, whichever category you are doing, you have to focus on positive quality. Let's say if you want to send loving kindness to yourself, don't just say, may I be well up and peaceful, may I be well up and peaceful. It will be just like words, empty words. Try to see some good quality you love about yourself. Maybe you've been very kind, you've been very helpful, you've been very generous. Yeah? Find out some positive quality you like about yourself, and then you arouse some kind of positive emotion. And then from that place, it's very easy to radiate loving kindness. That may I be well upon peaceful. Because it's landing on fertile soil. Then you go to friends, you, you, you don't say, oh, my friends, uh, may, may you be well up and peaceful. No, no, no. First find, oh, what the positive quality about my friend. Oh, they gave me some ice cream. Oh, they gave me some chocolate. Some kind of thing like that. Then you think about, the, oh, they have been very kind. Give me some advice, spiritual advice. They have been good companions in my life. My husband is a good companion in my life. My wife is a companion. You find good things about somebody and then send loving kindness. And then when you reach to a neutral person, who, those people drop mail and all this kind of thing, you never talk to them. How are you going to send loving kindness to them without focusing on positive qualities? The best neutral person you can send loving kindness is the people who remove garbage. You don't talk to them. You, do you have them in Australia? People who remove garbage on a certain date like... Those people, you never talk to them, but are very important in your life. If they riot, actually, within two weeks or one month without removing those things, <laughs> you'll see really how important they are. So you are now start focusing on the positive quality of the neutral people. For example, people who remove their garbage. You say, oh, if these people don't remove their rubbish, I will be really very uncomfortable. So then you send. So then the same th thing with the difficult person. All, at least in my life, all the most, all people have been difficult in my life. At one time or the other, they have been my best friends, best friends. And I set a higher standard. It's called projection. And when we set higher standards, eh, we expect that they will never disappoint us. And then when they disappoint us, we crash. Totally, we crash down. 
Even if they have done hundred good things, they do only one bad thing, we crash. So try to think about the positive quality. And then all beings, you try to even look at the, your watch you're putting on, t-shirt and pair of trousers and all that. Without all beings, you won't be able to do this. So, so you think about positive quality about others. So that's my answer. Yes, your boss, don't wait and go to the book and read about loving kindness and then later on send loving kindness. No, send loving kindness first by focusing on positive quality. But more so my advice is to make it as a general practice in your life when you're driving, when you're sitting, when you're walking, so that when you come to that point where your boss actually uh, annoy you, then it's more available. Uh, lastly, I would like to say matters like, uh, cultivating matters like a, a booster pump. You have this pump where you have to pump water from lower level to higher place in a tank. In a city they have. In order, the, the water you get, there must be somewhere, pumped somewhere. And then there's a big tank, which is very, very high. So that's a lot of money, energy. In fact, in Melbourne, I think they, they had to install that plant. To, to turn salt water into rainwater. It's a big undertaking. And they have to pump it somewhere which is higher than any, any house here. Now, once that water actually is pumped in the tank, now going to the house, it just flows naturally. But the flow from the lake, this is a common thing in Africa, uh, it's a very, very difficult to pump water from the valley to the hill. But once it's reached the house, it naturally flows. So if you understand that uh, analogy, is that in your day life, it might be difficult to cultivate this quality of the heart. It takes time, and you have to do it systematically. But when it comes to using, to application, it will be natural. Even when you face a difficult person, it will just flow naturally. That's how it flowed last time when somebody told me that I'm going to hell. I didn't fight with them. <laughs> I say, me, I will take a jumbo jet that you go there faster than you. I didn't do all those kind of things. <laughs> no, it's just naturally. You are there right there, actually. Once you do your homework, when a situation provokes you that actually are going to lead to provocation, it just flows naturally. Like it. When, when you open water in a, in a tap, do you struggle a lot? You just open it and it's available. But don't think that's what happened to people who have to pump it from there. Yeah, so there's some work you have to do, yeah? do your homework, so that even when your boss provokes you, you can say, turn a smile. Me, I do it all the time in Uganda, people provoke me a lot. You think I'm a monk, I'm fine? No, I go to Uganda, people say, oh, you are going to a mental hospital. <laughs> oh, coming, then I turn like this, I just smile. <laughs> What, have you, what are you going to do if somebody say you are going to a mental hospital and you've been meditating almost for two hours? What are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to get angry at them? No. So practice mental loving kindness, my friend. Okay, another question. Uh, would there be a discourse to monks who uh, have fear of uh, practicing in the jungle? Yes. Fear. Mm. So uh, I can see that how you can utilize fear which is the, one of the biggest causes of suffering for human beings by really loving everybody unconditionally and then you don't have enemies. So even if you are in a place of trouble, if you are having loving kindness to that person, we have no fear because you are not scared. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you develop a mind state of uh, non-fear in the mind by practicing 
then you are, you are, you are one of the biggest cause of suffering is gifted. Is fear. Mm, fear. Mm. Actually, according to the commentary, to this discourse, it's in, it's in a commentary that monks actually uh, had a hard time. To, they went to practice for three months. And then they, they, went, they went to the forest and they met goblins and uh, with all this kind of smell. You know, they were having a good time, all these invisible beings. But the monks went to disturb their place, you know. So they caused a lot of uh, smell and monks could not meditate. And then the, the monks went to the Buddha and said, please don't send us there. Uh, we cannot meditate. The Buddha said, oh, you know, this time I'm going to give you the best tool that you can use to go and practice there. So according to the comment, the, the Buddha taught this discourse on loving kindness. And then when the monks went there, there was no fear. In fact, they, all living beings, I mean, visible, invisible beings, goblins and all these ghosts, they all start loving them. And they meditated, actually, for uh, finish the three months. So the question is, how do you practice loving kindness to overcome fear? That's the question. Right? Because fear is the biggest cause uh, of suffering. That's the question. So that actually triggers me, uh, triggers some interest in me to talk, uh, to give a talk about fear. Mm -hmm. I think next time, do I have a Sunday to give a talk about fear? Yes, I'll give a whole frigid talk about fear. Next time, if you have fear about fear about fear, please come. <laughs> if you have fear about nothing, please still come. <laughs> or if you are planning to have fear, you are welcome again. So, any shot? Let, let us look at uh, fear. Fear, actually, uh, how metal overcomes fear because I'll give a Dhamma talk, let us say for Dhamma talk. Then time I just want to tell you about this, that fear, fear is actually part of aversion. Aversion, hatred, yes, aversion, yeah, it's part of it. It's, a, uh, it's not something hanging there, it's part of it. Hmm? When you want uh, present dangers there, then fear arises. Future, then anxiety. So then when we know that, okay, we can track down where fear is coming, it's because you don't like to face the situation. And why do you like to face this? First, we, tra we trace fear to anger, ill will, and all other mental states. Then we can also go a little bit further. Hmm? Before even we go further, what's the antidote to aversion? Aversion, anger, ill will, it's matter. So if you send matter loving kindness, you are counteracting what? Aversion. And then or ill will and anger, then there's no fear. And then we get a little bit further, actually, uh, psychological underpinning of this state. Uh, where does anger come from and the aversion and uh, ill will? It comes from uh, attachment, desire. But desire, because it's bipolar, uh, one desire to get, another one is desire to push away. So desire to push away things, that brings aversion. And then fear. So in other words, if you can overcome craving, then you also are overcoming fear. In fact, there's one phrase in Dhammapada that I can point to you. The Buddha says in Dhammapada, uh, from craving springs fear. From craving springs sorrow. From passion, he went on from endearment. Uh, some, and this is like almost four, four verses in the Dhammapada. Then 
it, it continues saying, where there is no craving, where is fear? That means you can also eliminate uh, fear from eliminating craving. Now we get a little bit further. Where does this craving come from? And uh, to push away things. Why do you crave to push away things away? Things that you don't want. There's ignorance. That means you're ignoring. Good luck if you want to push away weather. Eh? If you don't want bad weather <laughs> and you try to push it away, you can, of course. You are ignoring that these things you cannot do it by just pushing it away. So there's some underlying tenets of ignorance. Hmm? Moha and uh, this kind of avidya. Okay, so now in order to address that one, also you have to practice other teachings. It's not only metta can help to overcome fear, but we have to practice other teachings that actually counteracts the roots that nourishes fear. We have to go down slowly by slowly. Eh? Then we can practice inside meditation and gain wisdom so that we see, oh, why, why, do I have always, why am I always afraid? It's because of a sense of self. And that's a delusion. Every time there's a sense of self, then there's a separation from what's the, what's the one self and others. Not that there's no yourself as a human being. There is, of course. But in other words, there's a tendency always to set, separate yourself from others. Eh? This is my boss. This is me. So you see that kind of uh, uh, separation. And then there's always a lot of fear. In fact, this is a trick. I'm not using it now. But in the beginning, when I was giving Dhamma talks, I was a little bit nervous. Especially giving Dhamma talk when Bante Gunaratana is sitting next to me. <laughs> Bante Gunaratana is my teacher. Uh, one time, a couple of times actually, uh, one time it was a teacher's training course. And uh, I chose to, uh, to give a talk on Abhidhamma, Buddhist psychology, because I had done a crash course in Burma, and my teacher was a very good scholar. Uh, in, he was, my teacher, Saudo Sarananda, also later on, uh, he's actually uh, was an Abhidhamma authority, an authority on Abhidhamma. So I had that strength and, and uh, guts. And then when I, uh, I was going to give a talk, Bante Gunaratana said, mm, you're going to give a talk on Buddhist psychology? I've never listened to this talk also. I, I'm going to come to listen. I said, oh, oh. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have told him. <laughs> okay. Then he sat there. <laughs> so giving a talk on somebody who then when he was 12 and he's now 80, it's a little bit scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, now he's actually 87. But every time, even another time, yeah, he always come to be there to listen. After that, I, I got used to him, actually. I got to, because I knew everything he knew. Yeah? I knew because he has this kind of memory, photographic memory. Uh, yes, and he knows a lot of dam and all that. But in the, my training, that was our training. You give a talk when he is there. So what are you going to say? In fact, later on, I pleaded. I said, please tell me if I go wrong. <laughs> so every time I finish giving them a talk, I'll go to him and say, is there anything wrong I said? <laughs> please, please tell. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is what I did to counteract fear. I would say, oh, I'm giving them a talk to my brothers. He's my brother. He's my sister. He's my friend. So now there was no separation. But if I separate, oh, this is me. And these are those listening to me, looking for my mistakes. I was going to having a lot of fear. So this is what I did. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't separate. Don't separate. Metta, not this thing.
So this is the time is up. Thank you very much for asking these questions.